Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and the finest Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent ever to have graced the athletic. It is Tim Spears. Hello, Tim. Hello, Jackie. <laughs> compliment in there somewhere, Pap. Coming up on the Molyneux View podcast this week, same old story. Wolves looking great from the first whistle, scoring goals, plural, in the first half. With Vim, Ver, Vigor, dynamic movement in the final third. 19-year-old debutant scoring. It's just the same, same, same again. Not really, but it was a very welcome development nonetheless. And we'll chat to former Wolves and Wales midfielder Dave Edwards about where Wolves go from here. Leicester, to be precise, which is why we'll drag Rob Tanner kicking and screaming onto our pod. The Leicester City correspondent will fill us right in on what Wolves can expect to face on Sunday, which feels like a lifetime away, quite frankly. Nuno and his squad not used to all this time together on the training ground, are they? And we'll round off the podcast with your tweets as well as any other business. Spoiler alert, yes, Wolves women did win yet again. Now, to read Tim's fine work, go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod and subscribe for just a pound a week. Tim, your reflections on Crystal Palace, please. It was all right, wasn't it? It was great. I think it was not exactly a performance that they've been threatening for a few weeks, but it was certainly a performance they've been wanting to put together. And I think that was the performance that they were trying to put together in Newcastle when they came out uh, racing out the blocks with many shots in the first few minutes. But then, yeah, it became a bit wolvesy after that. But a couple of tactical very minor sort of tactical switches I thought befuddled Crystal Palace and really opened the game up namely the two wing backs Aitnori was an absolute revelation and Samedo had his best game in a wolf shirt and then Dendonka sort of supporting him and as a second striker really I mean he should have had a hat trick that 25 yard half volley I didn't know he had it in him to be honest that was phenomenal and then in the second half when he's bust in a gut to get in and hit that one on the volley. Unfortunately, it goes into the newly refurbed mosaic behind that goal with the jotter and duck <laughs> chalked off and that mosaic now. Oh, they hadn't noticed that. Yeah, no, I, I should have taken a picture. Actually, a very subtle difference. Oh. I think Pedence is on there. Uh, I can't remember who else, maybe Kilman. So yeah, it was, it was very enjoyable. I really enjoyed it and it was probably their best attacking performance since lockdown, maybe. I think I even preferred it to the Everton game. I mean, they should have scored five or six. The movement, the dynamic nature of the midfield, the wingbacks, like I said, were a revelation. Eight Nori was was phenomenal, really. I know it's only one game and he's a kid and he got a lot of space at times, but he played with such enthusiasm and really helped stretch that game out on the left. And a lot of the time they ignored him, actually. I was keeping a very close eye on him for a piece for the Athletic. And um, you know what it's like with a, with a young teenage debutant. Often they weren't passing to him. 
But the fact that he was stretching the play out made such a difference and Palace were quite narrow and it sort of played into Wolves' hands really. So he was the standout for me. And yeah, the league position is is um, excellent considering they've had, what, an inconsistent season that we've been mostly moaning about, to be honest. And here they are, three points off the top of the table. And we do talk so often about how one pace they can be, particularly in the first half and how they're sus- sussing out the opposition. Then Nuno, Connor Cody, people say, oh no, we'd love to score loads of goals in the first half. But they don't really have that dynamism right from the first whistle to make that happen, do they? They hope for it, but they don't really make it happen. But that was the real difference this time, wasn't it? They did have the energy, desire, the dynamism, the, the busting of gutters we talked about last week, the, the movement, the interchanging of the movement, making it so difficult for opposing defences to track them because they have the talent, the pace, the ability. And this time it all came together. And you just wonder what the difference was, whether it was in the team talk or the training during the week, why that message got through this time and not previously. I think I think you make a good point. I think the messages have always been there. Nuno always wants this fast start. He want, he says it every game. He wants more creativity. He wants more fluidity. I think it was the way they set up, honestly. You know, you look at their average team positions per game. And I did tweet one out during the first half and, and I stuck one in the article that I did after the game. With Aitnori and Samedo so high up and so wide and stretching the play, and then Donka noticeably close to Jimenez, and we've spoken about this on the podcast, Jimenez needs players close to him. What that also did, then Donka became a distraction for the Palace midfield, and that freed up space for Neves, who probably had his best game of the season. And in terms of, he, he played twice as many long balls, Neves, than he had done against Newcastle. He played 18 long balls against Palace, mostly out to the, to the wing back. So we know what a key feature of Wolves' game that is. Four key passes for him, four key passes for Neto as well. I really think Dendonka made a massive difference in this. Uh, he's undroppable at the moment, Dendonka, by the way, making a huge difference. And then Aitnori, and I've got to say, yeah, from what I, I didn't know much of him because he's only played 23 games in his whole career. What I studied of him for Angers last season was mostly that he was an excellent crosser and he had an attacking um, license to get forward and stick the ball in the box as often as he could. And his stats were better than most players of his age group in Europe in terms of crossing and cross accuracy. But we didn't really see much of that against Palace. Instead, we had an all-round game, a very mature performance didn't really give the ball away, didn't do anything stupid, good defensive positioning, got forward when he could, always an outlet on the left. I know it's only one game, but you've got to, what I what I've, was sort of think is that you've got to compare it to Ruben Vinagre's performances uh, earlier in the season. And, you know, I don't want to knock the lad, but I think he really, he really plateaued. And if you're looking at the amount of performances he's given in the past year or two, there aren't many that compare with Eight Norris from the other night. I can think of, Cardiff at home um, a season and a bit ago when he was excellent in a kind of a similar style of game. And he's also been good at Man City, Liverpool away, those kind of performances. But otherwise, Vinagra's just not been at the races really. So Aitnori showed the value of an attacking, um, enthusiastic left wing back who can stretch play down the left-hand side. And I was struck by his maturity as well. There was one incident which people will remember with Zaha in the second half. And Zaha, I mean... One, what crybaby. I'm not a fan of his, to be honest, the way he goes about trying to wind up opponents and moaning at referees. But he started, people might remember, by ruffling Aitnori's hair in a very kind of patronising sort of passive-aggressive manner. 
and then um, he's went towards sort of headbutting him almost really, or, or at least kind of putting his forehead against against State Norris, and then he put his hand on his face. Now there's three yellow, well there's two yellow cards there, but what I was struck by was that a eight Nori didn't retaliate, he didn't do anything back, and B he didn't dive. And if you look at Martial's red card against Lamella a couple of weeks ago, Martial just kind of puts his hand really on Lamella, sort of flicks him neck face, and Lamella rolls rolls to the floor screaming in pain, and Martial gets sent off. Very similar incident at Molyneux. And if Nate Norrie goes down, then maybe it's a red card again. But he didn't. And I was quite impressed by that, actually. So, yeah, um, it also shows the value of a, of a left-footed wing-back. You know, we love Johnny, but um, but he can't offer that. So it was one one performance. We're not going to get carried away, but it's very promising. And um, Stephen Jones tweeted us in, actually, this afternoon to say uh, he wasn't tested, really, in terms of defensive ability. So is he going to cut the mustard against the likes of Bellerin and Perez in the next few games? That's the test if he plays. But he showed that in a home game where you need to overload and stretch defensive opposition, which we knew Palace were going to be, then he can offer something. Very impressed. Interesting. I'd uh, consulted a commentator friend of mine who said that he is a real talent, ain't Nori, but wondered whether he might be ready for the Premier League just yet, suggesting not quite. It'd be an interesting thing to see how he feels about Eight Nori after that. Obviously, he knows him as a character. He said afterwards, because he was asked repeatedly, wasn't he, Nuno, about this new player? And he said, yes, he did very well, but he was very quick to point out defensively he needs to work on this and he needs to work on other aspects of his game. Uh, he also said that he really has to improve his English because that's not good enough. And I mean, he's only 19, but they do tend to recruit players who already speak very good English. Is that part of the strategy? Do you think usually that that's such an important part of the bonding with the rest of the team? No, I, I don't I don't think specifically, although I think they've probably looked at it. Well, they will have looked at it that when they'll know how much English he did or didn't speak when they signed him and they've thought, how is this going to, how is this guy going to communicate with the rest of the squad? They'll be very mindful of the fact that Patrick Catrone had problems because he could only speak to two people at the entire club, one of whom was the cleaner. Um, no one else spoke Italian at Compton. So they'll have looked at that and Romain Saiz is the man who's been a big helping hand, Nuno was keen to point out afterwards, in passing on instructions to Aitnori and communicating with him and I presume he's kind of taking him under his wing, which is nice. So yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought he had a great game. And what was also noticeable was that he touched the ball 76 times during the game. Semedo touched the ball 86 times during the game, which was the most of any Wolves player. Now, I've checked these stats after every game. It's almost always, in fact, it pretty much always is, Ruben Neves or Jaramacino who touches the ball more than anyone. So the fact that it was Semedo and the fact that Aitnori wasn't far behind him really showed you how how keen and quick they were to get the ball to the flanks and stretch Palace out. And I think that bodes really well for similar home games that will come up throughout the course of the season where teams will come to Molyneux and defend. And I wouldn't be certain that Aitnori would start at the King Power on Sunday. I think it'd be a very different game. If Marcel's fit, I would predict that he would play instead. But he's shown himself to be um, a really good option. And it kind of fell into his lap, really, because Marcel was injured, small injury. Saïs couldn't continue at left wing back. He got his opportunity and he took it. On the Marcel front, it's interesting, isn't it? Having a player who gets injured. Wolves are not used to this. Having players who get injured, touch wood, very, very rare. Okay, Johnny did his ACL, that's a big one. But they don't get niggles, they don't get muscle strains. Whereas ever since he's come in, he's had problems, hasn't he? Well, and and before he came in, his availability record is horrendous. From the past couple of years, he's been suspended an awful lot, picks up a lot of red cards. And he's, yeah, he has has got a history going back two, three, four years of regularly picking up muscle injuries. Now, Wolves would have thought that 
with the expertise they've got in the medical department that they could improve that record. But yeah, at the moment, two injuries already, very unlike a Wolves player, as you say. Um, and without Aitnori, then they, yeah, they would be a bit stuck, really, because Saiz very much just filled in. He's not really an option at left wing back for me. Maximilian Kilman starting yet again. What does this tell us about Nuno's thinking? Bold choice. The right choice for me. Um, bold as in you're leaving out Morocco's captain and a player who's done very well for Nuno over three and a bit years. But Kilman earned it. He hadn't put a foot wrong in three games. And for me, he's got the potential to be a better centre-half than Saïs because of the attributes he's got, because of his height. There aren't many, if any, tall, left-footed, technically very good centre-halves that are English, right? Uh, Jordan Graham made this, made this point a couple of weeks ago. Gareth Southgate will already be sniffing around and kind of thinking, you know, maybe this guy's one for the future. So so will the Ukrainian and Russian coaches, by the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if anyone didn't hear that a couple of weeks ago, yeah, he's... Um, his parents are both half Ukrainian, half Russian, um, which is interesting. And he speaks Russian, does old Kilman. don't think anyone else in the squad speaks Russian, so he's doing that on his own. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, yeah, fully earned. I think it's his, it's his spot for now. He didn't have a lot to do against Palace. He was quite quiet. His stats were quite low, but irrelevant, really. He, he, kept, he kept it um, kept it basic, kept it simple, and the shirt's his. Interesting interview with former Wolves coach Rob Edwards um, on Wolves TV. Uh, around the time of the game, saying that he obviously knew Kilman really well. He said one of his key attributes is he's completely unflappable, which is something that we've seen in evidence, isn't it? And uh, very good character, worked very hard in the gym, uh, which is something he's had to work on. He's very composed. Uh, but on the negative side, he's very, very quiet. So Cody does all his talking for him. And interestingly, he said the one doubt they had on the coaching staff about Kilman making it at the top level was his lack of athleticism. Is that something that you've noticed or do you think he's worked on it sufficiently now to nail down a place at the top flight level? Depends what he means, really. I mean, he's not, he's not, he's not the quickest and... He has got himself in a spot of bother on a couple of occasions, but I think the way that Wolves are, Wolves are set up, you know, you wouldn't call Ryan Bennett uh, an athletic player necessarily. But you wouldn't say he's in the Wolves first team either in the Premier League. So yeah, but I don't think I don't think that's why he's not in the first team, and I don't think it was really an issue when he was in the team because they're so compact and so organised at the back that you know players don't get isolated one on one. Very rarely, anyway. They're such a unit; they all look out for each other. Kilman. Cody to one side, Aitnori to the other, or Saïs as it has been, very rarely left isolated. And that's why, you know, Wolves' defence isn't the quickest, but that's not really an issue. You mentioned Cody, absolutely outstanding again. His passing is phenomenal. It's always been good, but it's so consistent. There's so much of it. Those balls out to the flanks really bearing fruit in combination with Neves, who's doing something similar as well. These, these are really key weapons in the Wolves' armoury. Yeah, I mentioned the long balls. I think Neves played 18, Cody played 19. I mean, I guess Roy Hodgson was very much going on the Wolves that we'd seen in the in, in the three or four previous games because this is the Wolves of last season where it's their bread and butter tactic, you know, pinging it out to the flanks. And you're right about Cody. Defensively, he was excellent as well. Made a couple of really important clearances. Again, it's another speciality of his. He looks like he's grown in stature, I would say. Never been short of confidence, um, never been short of leadership ability or maturity. But something's different about him. And I would say I would say stature, probably. He looks even more authoritative in, term, in a football sense uh, 
And that's got to be down to this England recognition and the fact it went so well and the fact that he, A, made his debut, B, scored a bloody goal, C, was captain of his country. I mean, you know, all the praise he got, he didn't put a foot wrong for his country and we know how much that means to him personally. And I think you can I think you can see it in him. I, I do. He's, he's, been, he's been excellent the last few weeks in the form of his Wolves career. Potentially, I'm not seeing. I've not seen him been this dominant in the Premier League before. So, uh, yeah, good point to make. He's been. He's been brilliant. Yeah, he really has. Uh, just, it's not so much a negative, but something Wolves certainly need to be careful of. Uh, the Cody giving away a free kick to Callum Wilson, which he was clearly looking for. I don't think it was a free kick against Newcastle, leading to an equaliser, courtesy of an awful wall. Uh, Bolly giving away a penalty, which was then ruled out for offside. Almost a penalty, VAR looking at the Ryan 8 Nori one. Is this something the Wolves need to be a little bit careful of? Not so much that they're committing these fouls, but particularly that the opposition are extremely cute, shall we say, in what they're trying to draw from the referee. Yeah, Wolves could probably be a, a, a bit cuter themselves in, in, those, um, in those instances. The ones you mentioned, yeah, I agree on Cody, that was very soft. The Bolly one was sort of, uh, he sort of, Walked into the into the foul, didn't it? Really, it's a momentary lapse of awareness. I think from Bolly, you could say whether you agree it's a foul or not. He, he he gave the ref something to think about, and Bolly has been doing that a bit this season. To be honest, he's not been at his best. And then the eight Nori one, I don't think he's watched much of Crystal Palace because Zaha was just obviously going to be looking for a penalty. That's all he does. And eight Nori slid in. Oh, he's a bit fortunate to get away with that one. To be honest, so yeah, you're right. They're not as streetwise as, as 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 they could be. That's cost them a few times in the past, not just this season. So um, yeah, that's something to be aware of. At both ends of the pitch as well, remember, Absolutely because right. in an attacking sense, need to be a little bit more clever. Well, they've only won four, they've only won four penalties since the start of last season, which puts them about twelfth or thirteenth in the list. Um, Man United have had fifty six or whatever it is. So yeah, you're right. That's definitely something. Considering the trickery at their disposal, um, they should be winning more penalties. Yeah, you're right. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Let's bring in Dave Edwards now, the former Wolves and Wales midfielder, now at Shrewsbury. Hi, Dave. Hi, guys. Great to get you on the podcast. Where did you feel the improvement lay against Crystal Palace in comparison to previous weeks? I think it was just the the intensity they started at. I think you haven't seen that in not even recent games, I'd say recent years with, with Nuno's team as they, they really play their way into games. They try and grind teams down slowly um, and then hurt them later on in games where this was a completely different approach and they went for the throw early and, and it paid off massively. Um, just think the whole intensity of the whole team, the way they pressed together, the way they played forward and moved the ball a lot quicker. Um, and it looked really exciting. That's what Wolves fans have been crying out for, I think, over the recent sort of games. Shame there wasn't a, a crowd there to see it, but you can see Nuno's trying to evolve this Wolves team um, and maybe this could be a sign of what's what's to come. And do you feel that time on the training ground is key to this improvement, both last week and now this week, with a, a Friday to the following Sunday on the training ground? Yeah, un- undoubtedly that, that will help because um, they do so much work tactically on, on the way um, Nuno will set his team up and it's become... It's, their identity over the last three years and all of a sudden even though they're still playing a similar shape they are trying to try different things trying to 
do something which will unease opponents. Maybe opponents are starting to get used to the way Wolves play, but it's going to take time. It took them a lot of time to nail down a system that they've been playing over the last couple of years. So um, it will take that extra little bit of time on the training field to to sort of implement that with new players coming in as well. Um, it's always difficult. So when you are playing Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday, Thursday, whatever it's been in recent recent weeks and months, it, that would have been more difficult. So um, knowing the way Nuno and his team works, they'll they'll be really thankful that they've managed to get a few solid weeks of training. I mean, Wolves' Wolves's results have been good this season, but it's the performances that haven't been as much. And I think a key part of that has, has been the wing-backs. You know, Traore and Saiz have both played two or three games there apiece, filling in. Semedo hasn't been fit really up until now. I think that showed, and Vinagra was out of form as well, and now he's now moved on. This was the first game for me that you had two wing-backs both playing well. Dave, I just wondered, from your experience of playing in 3-4-3 for Wolves, and I think I'm right in saying for Shrewsbury as well last season, how important is that to the whole team and the midfield and the forwards when you've got two attacking wing-backs dynamic down both flanks? Well, in particular, the way Wolves play, which is very different to how any other team plays it. I think everyone tries to use Wolves' uh, method and say they're trying to play like that, but it's not the same because of how attacking Wolves make it. Um, and I've been unfortunate enough to be on a Reading team playing against it a few times. And it's a nightmare when you've got those two attacking wing-backs because, as you said, in Saiz, maybe Marcel to a degree, Traore is attacking but not in the same sense of what a Doherty or um, a Semedo is. But as an opponent, if your wing-backs are playing as high as what Jimenez is really at times, well, they were last year with Doherty and Johnny, that that gives your full-backs... Um, a big decision to make. Do they engage with the, the wing back? Do they get the their own winger to track them all the way back? If the wing if the full back does engage with Wolves' wing back, then all of a sudden that's where the spaces come then for Neto and Podence and anyone who plays in those sort of number ten positions or wide forwards, whatever you want to call it. And then that starts to influence the central midfielders on the opposition. And me sort of being that for Reading, I know how hard it is that my fullback's penned in, my winger's not quite sure knows what he wants to do then I've got Neto and Podence over my shoulders and I'm thinking well I can't get any pressure on Neves or Dendonka because they're going to hurt me more than they are at the moment and that's when Wolves start to dominate the ball higher up the pitch and I thought that on Friday night they managed to do that a lot better because they start a lot higher up the pitch and then you, you, I think you could see quite early on from how Wolves are playing they were able to move the ball a lot quicker because that Cody could hit that diagonal out to the right side in particular Neves was hitting out to the left and they were doing it and pulling Crystal Palace's midfield defence around and, and they really couldn't live with them and I think Aitan Nori is going to be a big player this season I know he's only young but he looks like exactly what they've been missing as good as Johnny's been they've really missed him Ruben Vanagra kind of had all that ability, but not quite the end product where it seems that Aitnoy's got a little bit more substance to him. He can do both sides of the game because he did have to defend at periods as well. And I thought he did very well defensively, but going forward, he was brilliant and he looks a real bright prospect. And hopefully it's not just a one-off game and he can he can go and build on that now. You mentioned Dendonka. He's clearly been watching DVDs of your late runs into the box, Dave. I mean, how key <laughs> is his role for Wolves, do you think? And how unlucky was he against Palace, by the way? Yeah, yeah. He obviously had the shot in the first half, which is unlucky. And then he made a great run for the second one. It's just like he didn't quite get his, his stride right, his foot pattern going into the ball. And he ended up stretching for it a little bit too much, that chance in the second half. But who would have thought a year ago or even two years ago when he first signed that 
I think Wolves fans will be looking at it now thinking, well, it's going to be Dendonka plus one in midfield if they play the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, I think he's become that vital to it and it's whether Neves plays him or Moutinho plays him. I just think he's not as easy on the eye to, as fans to as what Ruben Neves is or, or Jean Moutinho, both absolutely world-class players. But what he gives you on the other aspect of the team is work rate, is defensive positioning, winning the ball back, and then that ability to break from midfield as well. I think under Nuno's reign, I don't think they've really had a midfielder who will break into the box. I remember when I was still there and at the time that he, he didn't want his midfielders to do that, but maybe in this new, not system, he's trying to make a new philosophy that he has given Dendonka a little bit more license to get into the box. And, and he's definitely got the energy to do it. You see how, how he runs, how much ground he covers, but then he's also... He's got all other sides of the game. He can pass the ball well, very good defensively. And if he can just get onto the end of them and make them count, then he could be a, a huge asset for Wolves this year. Yeah, Dendonka seems to have nailed down his spot for now at least. But a player we're really quite puzzled by in terms of his current role and his future role is Adama Traore. Where do you see him fitting in at the club, in this team? Pedence Neto seem to have nailed down their starting spots there are fewer games now, no European football, so less reason to rotate players. And when he did have a really good chance when he came on, his shot was so poor straight at Guaita. He doesn't seem to be proving himself as a goal scorer. So how do you see him fitting in at the club? He's, he's going to have to wait his chance now. Um, I definitely think he, he's not a wing-back. He's, he's filled in there numerous occasions last year and obviously at the start of this year. That You're not getting the best out of Adama Troy if you're going to play in wing-back. In this system, he has to play as one of those outside forwards where, where Neto and Podence are playing. At the moment in time, them two seem to have the positions nailed down, so it's going to be difficult for him. But I think he's a massive, massive confidence player as well. I think when he was on form, the the whole the media world was talking about how good he was. And then you could see his performances getting better and better every week. And then all of a sudden, people have been saying previously that his, his end product wasn't great. But then he was finding Jimenez of all his crosses. He was scoring goals. And then all of a sudden, when things aren't going as well for him and he's having to play, be a bit part player, I think you can really tell he's struggling um, confidence-wise. And you saw that. Um, with the games he's played so far this year. In Wolves' system, I know Nuno had to work really hard with him on the training pitch to, to get him to fit into one of those number 10 positions. Um, but I still see him as an out-and-out right winger, which uh, Wolves, I don't think, are ever going to play under, under Nuno. So maybe when they sort of sold Jota, it could have been the other way and they could have cashed in on Traore especially now you see he, he hasn't been playing a lot but you really don't know what's happening behind the scenes he, he's been struggling with a shoulder injury for the last 12 months or even longer than that so it might be a case of that playing up but at this moment in time you can't see him getting in that wall team in front of the players who are playing at the moment um, and he just has to make the most of it when he does get his chance but it will have to be in one of those forward three positions I think the the, the shoulder thing is, is, is a good point and um He's not really terrorised. We were saying on last week's part, he's not terrorised a defender for quite some time now. And the stats don't look great for him. I mean, he's he's only started eight of the last 16 since lockdown. He's only started three this season, two of which are at wing-back. His goal-scoring record, as we discussed last week, is on 26 without scoring and no assist for 14 appearances. I mean, he had, he had such a good uh, purple patch last season, as you mentioned, when he was laying on goals for Jimenez. 
is it an issue to have somebody a well so well paid and with such a big reputation um, to be sat on the bench week after week? Or from what you know of him and, and hear of him in the game, do you think he's the kind of player that will just get his head down, get on with it, and do as the manager's told? Or, or is it going to be a bit of a problem going forward? I don't think his attitude will be. But I think he'll realise he has he has to play football because all of a sudden his international career has taken off now, and for Spain we were still a world class team. So he's going to want to stay in that squad now he's had a taste of it but he's not going to do that if he's not playing football matches at Wolves so he's going to be desperate to get in the team he's as you say, it's going to go one way or the other he's going to have to really stand up and be counted and make sure he shows Nuno every single day in training that he's working hard for his place and then when he does get the opportunity he's got to then take it but on the flip side what I will say is Nuno is good at making tough decisions he's done it throughout his time at Wolves he's he sort of let players go at the right time. He can sense when the team um, needs someone else coming in and someone's almost served their time. And he has no emotional baggage with that, Nuno. I think he does that really well. You saw it with the likes of Barry Douglas after he got promoted. I think a lot of people would have thought it would have been crazy to get rid of, of Barry, but then all of a sudden he brings in Johnny. He kind of sees the next up, the next step. And it would have been the same with Matt Doherty this summer. I'm sure a lot of people were surprised to see that. And even though Semedo hasn't quite hit any dizzy heights yet, I'm sure that Nuno will see him as to go on and take Wolves further than what Matt Doherty could and he felt it was the right time. So he might have to make that decision with Traore as well because I don't think Traore can afford to sit a whole season with being a bit part player because it's going to affect his future as a player, his international future. Then also you talk about what club he's then going to move on to. I think if he'd have moved this summer, he'd have had his choice of most teams in Europe where that won't be the case if he goes all the way through to next summer without playing. So he's going to be desperate to play or otherwise there could be a, a bit of a problem. What are your expectations for Wolves this season, Dave? Because it's such a strange division, isn't it? And we're not quite sure where to place them, bearing in mind they are a work in progress. I think they'll really be banging on the door of the top six again and they could even break into it and, and push those real top four spots I just think there's so much uncertainty around football at the moment. You've seen that in some really erratic performances from so-called bigger teams. But that, I just, that just does not fit into Wolves' moulds. They're so pragmatic in everything they do, um, right from the top of the club to the bottom. And the way Nuno and his team works, they'll kind of they'll shelter out all the noise of things going on. They'll make sure they're concentrating day in, day out on what their job is. Um, and I don't see Wolves getting flustered with it. I know at the start of the season, performances haven't been great. And I have heard social media and radio and stuff like that that fans haven't been happy. But, well, they're third or fourth in the league and they've had a, a brilliant start, clean sheets now, and all of a sudden it's starting to look like they're going to score more goals as well. So Nuno doesn't get flustered by anything. I think that could really play into Wolves' hand this year when other teams are, are all over over the place with injuries because of the amount of games and things like that. I just think it will all come into, it'll all suit Wolves and, and they can really hopefully push in on that top six and, and even better. Because I do think there's going to be one or two teams who do break into that top four who aren't notoriously in that big six. Um, and hopefully it can be Wolves. Yeah, Nuno's always talking about wanting to improve and they finished seventh in the last two seasons in the Premier League. So sixth would be an improvement. Thank you, Dave. Great to get you on. Are you nearing fitness now at Shrewsbury? Yes, touch wood. I've been, I've been training this week and a bit last week, a bit this week. And then I'm hoping that I've got to have another scan just to make sure everything's healing okay. And if I get the all clear, then hopefully 
his FA Cup this weekend and I can hopefully be involved in that in, in some part. I was going to say, I'm hearing of a transfer bid from Apoel Nicosia, actually, Dave. Um, any, rea- any reaction to that? <laughs> <laughs> I could do with some vitamin D for my bones, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, Mick McCarthy was named Apoel Nicosia manager today. Um, was that as a surprise to you as, as it was to us? Um, yeah, it was. I, I, I actually spoke to Mick a few weeks ago. Um, we sort of crossed paths down at Sky when we were doing some international coverage and he he said he was not fond of the media world too much and he was desperate to get back into into management. So I knew he was really keen, but I must say I was a bit surprised when I found out he was, he was traveling across Europe. But he always wants to test himself and it'll be a great opportunity I know they're a very big club out there and a bit of some will do the world of good with what's going on at the moment so I wish him all the best and TC as well who who will be going with him so I hope they really have a, a good go out there and do well Oh they'll have a bit of fun won't they yeah Apple Nicosia a big club but just one place off the relegation zone in Cyprus so we wish Big Mick well we wish you well in your return from injury I think you're a a colony of ex-Wolves players need you given the recent results so we wish you all the best and take care Dave I will discuss a few of your tweets shortly but first let's get some insight on Wolves next opponents Leicester City at the King Power Stadium on Sunday at 2 o'clock that's live on Sky Sports main event which means it's not pay-per-view this week Rob Tanner is the Athletics Leicester man and also hosts their 5000 to 1 Leicester podcast hi Rob hiya how you doing well thank you now I noticed that you have to host your own pod while Tim gets his staff in to do his for him yeah but he gets the better of that doesn't he what a star you are <laughs> oh wow do you know she's, she's never had a compliment that good on this podcast before i'll tell you that for free you can come on again you can by the way notice that's a very fine west midlands accent you have there and our podcast security team are standing by and they want to establish which color football shirt you wore when you were growing up can you tell us it was a royal blue one. Oh. Birmingham City. Birmingham City was it? Was my oh, team growing up? Was but uh, in my journalistic career, I've covered nearly all the West Midlands ones, including Wolves at times for the Birmingham Post. So I am familiar with Molyneux. Okay, well, we'll let I you enjoy off. going there. Actually, some lovely people who work at at Wolves, and still to this day, when I go, it's nice to see some familiar faces. <laughs> yeah, you can come on because it wasn't navy and white stripes, so that's okay. Now <laughs> we're recording on a Monday, uh, Rob, and Leicester still have to face Leeds away in the Premier League and Braga at home on Thursday night before they face Wolves on Sunday. We remember that manic schedule, don't we, Tim? Those were the days. So just tell us, what's the general vibe about Leicester's start to the season? Right, positive, really, considering the uh, the negativity and the pessimism that followed the, the collapse towards the end of last season when they squandered a 14-point gap in the Champions League places and had to settle for Europa League, which at the start of last season, they would have taken that top six finish because that was the, the goal. But uh, having put themselves in a fantastic position to qualify for the Champions League... Uh, there was a lot of disappointment and that spread through the close season and there was a lot of pessimism about the transfer window. Had they done enough business? Had they spent enough money? And certainly the pandemic had influenced that in many ways. But the way they've started the season and a couple of the results in particular uh, away at Man City and Arsenal have really been um, a fillip for, the, for the, the morale around the club and the supporters as well. And it shows once again that... Um, you know, Leicester have got some good players. They have got a decent squad, but the key for them this season, as it is every season for a club like Leicester City, who haven't got the strength in depth in the squad and the resources that the big six do have, is to have their best players available every week. They've had a lot of injuries. Um, some key players uh, have been missing for quite a while now. Nididi, Siunsu and Ricardo Pereira. 
and uh, that really does impact them because if they're going to really establish themselves as a top six side they're going to need that uh, their strongest 11 out on a weekly basis what made the difference Rob because a lot of teams who ended the season poorly or well sort of carried that on into this season what with the, with a short turnaround and short pre-season but Leicester have really managed to turn it around this season what, what's the difference anything different tactically or any particular players that have, that have really shone and, and boosted everybody else yeah there's been a few tactical tweaks he did try the three centre-back system towards the end of last season after restart and it didn't really work but um, a young lad Wesley Fofana that's come in has really impressed everybody um, so far he's only 19 a teenager but uh, they spent £32 million on him and he really does look uh, a real prospect uh, in the future and he's just added a bit more strength uh, at centre-back that they sorely needed especially when they lost Siunsu and Johnny Evans started the season uh, suspended. But um, now they've got Evans back as well and hopefully they can keep him fit uh, with Fafana. then certainly that gives them more options in terms of what system they play. Uh, similarly, uh, Castagna has come in. Uh, he's been playing uh, right wing back or right back. He's really added to them, but unfortunately he's picked up a knock now as well. Um, so it's been getting some key players back like James Madison that's helped. But above all, as it always is with Leicester City, it's when Jamie Vardy's on song that Leicester City are at their best. They're so reliant on him. He's such an important player for them. He's had a fantastic start to the season uh, with the amount of goals he scored and the threat that he carries. And it will be the same again on Sunday. You mentioned a 19-year-old French wonder kid there in Wesley Fofana. Well, Wolves seem to have just uncovered a new 19-year-old French uh, left wing back who's starting for them. I mean, would you say Wolves and Leicester have similar philosophies when it comes to investing in in young talent from abroad and and in terms of the transfer strategy overall? Absolutely, yes, because they have to shop in a different window. They have to be in a different marketplace to the the rest of the the, the big six the, the guys that really got the big money to spend um, they have to unearth these gems and um, Leicester have managed to do that over the years with the likes of uh, Nididi and Ricardo Pereira and Siunsu um, players that have probably been a little bit under the radar with the really big elite clubs um, but then it's always about developing them and nurturing them and um, that's something else that's the other part of the equation and uh, Leicester have been able to to do that over the years in terms of developing young players and uh, it, same with James Madison sometimes you know when you've got a player in the championship who looks a star in the championship level there's always a question marks about whether he can make the step up to the Premier League level and sometimes you've just got to be brave and take the plunge and they did that with Madison and I'm, I'm sure he's going to be an England regular in the future the, the talent he's got um, so it's just about being um, a bit brave in the transfer market and going for the the lads that might be question marks about them and seeing if you can develop them. We've had some really closely contested contests with Leicester the past couple of seasons, mate. As you, as you know, there was the four three, of course, and a couple of nil nils last season. Although they weren't as bad as it sounds. Um, we had Phil Hay on a couple of weeks ago to preview Leeds and he very kindly uh, detailed Leeds' weaknesses for Wolves to exploit, um, one of which came true in the second half. I see Jackie smiling to me there. So my question to you is, um, can you do the dirty on the team that you cover and tell us uh, what Leicester's main weaknesses are, please? Well, I think when they have to take the the game by the scruff of the neck and force the issue, they can uh, leave themselves exposed 
And certainly we saw that with the West Ham game at the King Power Stadium when they just came into that game on the back of um, doing a fantastic tactical number on Man City where they sat deep and then hit them on the, the counter-attack and were so effective. Then West Ham did exactly the, the, the same to Leicester and uh, Leicester didn't have um, the reply. I mean, it really is going to be about if Wolves come to um, King Power Stadium and sit deep and defensively are very well organised, Leicester can, can run out of ideas and then they can leave themselves a little bit exposed at the back so um, I think that might be the game plan for Wolves on on, on Sunday really it's just um, be patient try and stifle that, that that's the creativity that Leicester have because they don't always have um, great options in turn of beating uh, a man Cengiz Under has been brought in as the uh, the winger that can try and unlock a defence by taking somebody on um, but sometimes they run out of ideas pretty quickly and if there's no space in behind for Vardy to run into then they can leave themselves vulnerable as well at the back Well after a couple of goalless draws yesterday let's hope they get back to the 4-3 antics of the season before because that was rather more thrilling wasn't it Thank you so much Rob Tanner from the Athletics Leicester City Podcast 5000 to 1 Let's do some tweets, Tim. Steve at Wolf in Bristol says, our full Spanish international Adama Traore has yet to sign a new contract, so far being used as a bit part player and behind Neto and Pedence in the pecking order. Do you think he'll sign? If you were Traore, do you think he should? Well, he'll get a, a quick pay rise, so I'm sure that'll be part of his thinking. But, I mean, he's, he's, on, he's on a long-term deal. It's not due to expire any month now, so... If I'm a Dharma Trail right, I'm on the bench every week. As Dave Edwards said, you know, he's he's in the Spain first team, but not the Wolves first team. It's bonkers. Um, and I don't see him getting in the team anytime soon with Pedenza and Neto playing well and fit. You know, these things do happen in cycles, but as I mentioned with his stats earlier, no assist in 14 and no goal in 24 or whatever it is. These are not good numbers. So you can he can look at himself and say he should be doing more when he comes on. But also, he'll be crying out for opportunities. He's only had one start in his preferred position this season, which was away at West Ham, the horror show, when he was doubled up on against a very deep line defence. And, and, you know, I thought he did his best that night, but struggled to get the end product away with not many teammates around to help. So he's far too an expensive a player to have on the bench. That's how Jeff Shee will be looking at it, in my opinion. This guy's worth at least 35 million in theory. I'd say, I'd say double his price. Double his, double his value since they, since they bought him? At least. At this moment in yeah. time? Does it look odd that they'd sold Jota in the summer and not Traore? Yes, it does to me, I think. The way I think Jota fits into this slightly rejigged um, system better for me. And Traore, you could argue, might have been at the peak of his value in the summer. And what, the longer he doesn't play, the, the more his value goes down. Although it was a weird summer with, with coronavirus, obviously, in the transfer market and teams not having a huge amount of expendable income. So, yep, strange one. Um, but the bottom line, the full stop, is that Wolves are fourth in the table. They've won three of their last four. And he can't demand that he's um, that he gets into the team. Fifth in the table, she says. At the moment, other the table. teams do have a game in hand. It changes every day. It does, it does. And it will have changed by the time you're listening to this as well. Yeah, it is an interesting one. But of course, either Pudence or Neto could get injured. And you need a high quality player exactly, to come in yeah. or an option. You need to be pushing these players. It's not as if their positions are set in stone, is it? So, you know, we don't want to get too sort of caught up in the fact that he's surplus to requirements. Because we'll certainly need talent such as his on the bench no absolutely right um, at least and uh, it'll be horses for courses as well no doubt 
Freddie Evans asks, when do you think we'll see the likes of Vitinha, Hoover and Fabio start to get regular game time in the first team or will they just be bench warmers for the next few months? Uh, it's hard to predict months away, but I think for the here and now, uh, same with Traore. These guys aren't going to get in the team. It's, it's a winning team in, in, the, in the very top echelons of the Premier League. So when is Silva going to play? We discussed it last week. He's not going to get much game time at the moment because it's either him or Jimenez. You've got to play Jimenez for as much as you can. And he's fine playing 90 minutes every week, especially with Wolves having fewer fixtures this season. And Vitinha, I'm surprised he's not on the bench at the moment. I think they've got one too many defenders on the bench for me and I don't see why they don't have him on. But Nuno's obviously seen a lot more of him and, and doesn't think he's ready. So I don't know if we're going to have a similar situation to Bruno Jordao last season where he, he came in for a decent amount of money, £6 million, and then just barely played. Um, at the moment, again, I don't see where he fits in. Hoover, I think, is one who'll play more. I'd be interested to see what happened if Bolly got injured or suspended, because I do wonder, I know they like Hoover as a centre-half, certainly long-term. You know, would he slot in there or would it be Dendonka? I'm not sure how they'd do that. But yeah, Samedo, uh, if there was any kind of issue with him, Hoover would be straight in the team. You couldn't really say that about Vitinha or Silva, that they're next in line. But um, Hoover, I think, from what I've seen of him, he's done very well and um, he'll get game time sooner rather than later. You would expect that. And on that note, Hallin Wolf asks, given that we signed Semedo, why did we sign Hoover and why did he agree to join us? I can only think it's his cover for Bolly. Well, of course, he didn't come to Wolves to sit on the bench because he could have done that at Liverpool. But he is way more likely yeah. to play. And also, just a little point, Willie Bolly ever since that interview that he did um, at the end of last season about him being the wall, wally boy. Oh, yeah. Do you remember yeah, about yeah. how outstanding he was? Since then, he's not been anywhere near as assured no. as he was previously. No. So could his place potentially be I under threat? I don't think threat? under threat, but you're right. He has had a dip in performances. That's something he needs to address. With Hoover, yes, he won't have, he won't have come in to not play, but he won't have come in with the guarantee of first team football, you know, he's, he, he knew that. And Nuno said it the day he signed. He's, we were like, is this Wolves' wing back? He said, no, we're going to sign another one. So he knows the score. He wasn't on the bench for Liverpool. He only played four domestic cup games for Liverpool. So it's a step up in terms of being involved in a first team squad. The kid's 18 years old. So I don't, I don't think he's guaranteed to walk into any Premier League first team. He's, he's got to bide his time. You know, I'll say it again, the team is, is, is the greater good here. It's all about the team's results and the team the team are winning. So these guys are going to have to wait. And Paul Mansell, will the upcoming harder fixtures against Leicester, Southampton and Arsenal suit us more as they won't be parking the bus like Newcastle did? Well, I was thinking that pre-Palace that I was looking forward to these games to kind of see more of the old Wolves. Um, obviously, we saw this great performance against Palace. And yeah, I think Leicester away, Arsenal away will suit them with a counter-attacking style. You know, we heard Rob Tanner earlier say how Leicester can be vulnerable against counter-attacks. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Sunday's game to see how they can exploit that. And if Wolves can keep their incredible, I say that word again, incredible clean sheet record going. It's 13 in 21 in the Premier League. That's phenomenal. Um, West Ham was a total anomaly. You know, we dis we discussed that. We had a we had an autopsy, didn't we, after that one, Jackie? Um, but it was a complete one-off. Otherwise, defensively, they've been unbelievable. So if they can keep if they can keep that going for the coming months uh, and start scoring at the other end, then yeah, Champions League here we come. You mentioned about Jota before. He scored three in his last three for Liverpool, and Wolves fans are getting a little bit angsty about that. Do you think Wolves are having any regrets about selling him? Uh, the fee was so good. The, no, uh, you know, fans were a little bit um, um and ah about whether he should go, and then and then we discovered the fee, forty five million. It was like okay, fair enough. 
He was always going to score goals for Liverpool. He's a phenomenally talented player. He's now in an even better team. He's getting more chances. So I don't begrudge him that. And I don't think Wolves will regret selling him. As I mentioned earlier, should they've sold Troyora instead of him? I think I think that's a, a more pertinent debate. But no, Selavi, on he goes. We wish him all the best. Yeah, I'm commentating on him tomorrow or tonight, if you're listening on Tuesday, in the Champions League away at Atalanta. No doubt he'll be getting some game time then. Uh, Wolves women won their FA Cup second qualifying round match at Long Eaton United. 1-0, another victory. Jade Cross with the winner. And the first round proper draw has been made and they are... They have a local derby-ish at home to Stourbridge Ladies. A little bit concerning as to whether they're going to be able to continue because only really elite level sport we know will continue. We don't know about that level. It's the fourth tier. So real concern. So keep an eye out for that. And on a very, very sad note, we were so upset to hear about the passing of Linda O'Brien, a freelance Midlands football reporter who some may know from ITV, but we mostly knew her for her work for Premier League Productions, which you may know if you're listening around the world you'll have seen Premier League coverage and, and Linda reporting from all the Midlands clubs and she'd suffered from cancer and Tim she was such an incredibly kind warm lovely loving generous lady who put herself out for people and will be so desperately missed by all those who knew her um, a regular smiling face around the Wolves beat as well yeah it's hard it's hard to put into words really um everyone's devastated uh by her loss and she was she was too good too good for our industry I was thought she was just too nice um, one of the nicest people I've ever met and always had time for me and was always came across as so kind and generous with her time as well and um, and a very good reporter as well always asked some great questions in press conferences but, but with a smile you know and she had the respect of, of every manager who spoke to her so yeah Horrible, horrible news. Yes, and Wolves put out a tweet offering their condolences as well. And we think about Linda's family and friends who will very, very sadly miss her. Well, thank you for listening to the Molyneux View podcast. A reminder, you can subscribe now for a pound a week at theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod. Do leave us your feedback on iTunes, please. That would be very gratefully received. Thank you for that. And we'll be back with you next Tuesday morning with reaction to the game away at Leicester. Bye for now.